This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This month on Decompliance Life, I visit with Valerie Charles. Valerie has one of the most interesting journeys to and from the CCO chair. After sitting in the CCO chair, she realized the need for an integrated tech solution for compliance, so she went to a tech startup, GAN Integrity. She then moved to consulting at StoneTurn. We conclude this month with Valerie Charles on the Compliance Life by looking at the CCO function in 2025 and beyond. I know you'll enjoy this month on The Compliance Life. In episode three, Valerie moves into the compliance consulting world. The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a chief compliance officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and they'll be right back with Valerie Charles on The Compliance Life. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with episode three in this month's series on Decompliance Life. I'm featuring Valerie Charles. Valerie, first of all, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Tom. Valerie, at the end of the last episode, you were talking to us about your experience at GAN Integrity, uh, but you moved on to a consulting firm, Stone Turn. So I was wondering if you could tell us about uh, how you were introduced to Stone Turn, uh, what you found when you got there, and then really how did the kind of first and second and I guess three phases of your career really build and and give you uh, give you the juice to move into the consulting wor- world where you could utilize all the skills you'd learned in private practice in-house and then in the tech world. Yeah, I, you know, I was introduced um, to Stone Turn through the executive leadership at Conversant. Um, Conversant and Stone Turn have had a, you know, a long history of kind of working together and you know, just a strategic partnership and a lot of common clients. And so you know, Stone Turn is not huge. I think um, we have something like 200 employees globally. Um, we do have a, a big global footprint and global reach um, and certainly lots of lots of uh, sophisticated global clients. But it's not, you know, part of the Stone Turn identity, I think, is not being uh, big four. I mean, it's, it's just not, it, it's, it, that's not what the, uh, founders of the firm wanted and, and that's not what we do. And I, I think that it's when, when I became familiar with stone turn, the more I dug into it, the better fit that I thought it was going to be for me and the better fit it has turned out to be, um, for me, because, you know, I look the big law firm world, um, where I spent probably most of my, most of my career followed by this 
very small startup tech company um, gig, you know, these were just very vastly different cultures. And so I was trying to kind of um, find that perfect fit, you know, find that in between that was going to be maybe not going to such a huge uh, organization like a large law firm or a big four consulting firm. Um, but also, you know, to kind of get back to something with a little bit more, um, you know, look, startup is wonderful, but you, anybody who's done it knows that, you know, if you do it for a few years, it's, it's nice to have a break and go back to a, a more kind of established environment with more resources and all that stuff. So it's, um, Stone Turn was just the perfect, the perfect fit. It's a, it's a dynamic firm and it's a self-selecting firm. You know, they're the, the people who are there could be in big law firms or could be in big corporations or could be at the big four. And, and, um, we're not, we're not there by choice. Um, so we, we're sort of able to, to do things the way we want to do it. And, and I think to be agile and to have rate flexibility and, and other things that, that are just harder to do in, in big organizations. Valerie, in episode two, you talked about, uh, one of the, uh, really, uh, big lessons that you learned and at GAN Integrity in your tech startup role was around data, uh, learning to use data, where data lies, and really how to be comfortable with data. Is that something that you either counsel clients on, that you help clients on, or, or you still try to really evangelize in your role at Stone Turn? You know, it, it, it's, it's funny. I, I did not think coming out of the startup world that I would find a place where all of the various kind of tools in my toolbox, you know, the, the legal and regulatory expertise that I, that I have from, from doing white collar work in law firms and then the, the tech and um, data analytics, I don't want to call it expertise because that would be a stretch, but, but at least, you know, I'm, I'm generally conversant in, in talking data and, and technology. And I think that, um, I was not expecting to find a place where it would all kind of dovetail. And, and that's what I found in, in my current role. I think what's cool about consulting for me is that, you know, we have clients that have complicated problems and require a lot of different viewpoints. You know, you can't kind of come at um, the problems that our clients have just with the legal hat on. And you can't come at it just with a, you know, kind of like, let's solve this with off the shelf technology or, um, you know, even even those of us who some, some of the my partners at Stone Turn, you know, are former CFOs and they come with a very, you know, kind of finance or audit driven um, mentality. And I think what's really nice is when you've got multidisciplinary problems at, with a client, you can actually put together a team of people that are wearing all those different hats and figure out, you know, how to attack the problem you know, that in a way that's going to work for the whole organization in a way that makes sense for all the different business units involved. Um, you know, like not to get too, too left field here, but I mean, I think for, for so long, you know, I was a lawyer who pretty much used consulting firms just for forensic accounting in association with FCPA and UK bribery act investigations. I mean, I, I, I really did not utilize uh, consulting firms for anything besides forensic accounting. And I, I think for that reason, there's a lot of, maybe, maybe people who are in-house who were former big firm lawyers that have that same experience and really don't understand, uh, what's on offer really from, from good consulting firms. And I, and I think it's, I just think it's a really special place to have all of these different types of professionals all working together 
you know, seamlessly on client teams. I just, I think it's, um, I think it's phenomenal. I frankly, I wish I really understood it a little bit better when I was in house. <laughs> so that really brings up a, a great point uh, around the, uh, I don't want to say outsourcing of compliance functions because I don't want to imply that, that a CCO is doing that, but I want to say the ex- expert resources that are available to a CCO to come in and really focus on, you know, one targeted problem or issue such as a, a risk assessment or, you know, take a much more holistic look with a very different perspective than many compliance professionals have where, you know, we sit in house and gaze at our navels and we really can't see the bigger picture. Are you able to deliver, you know, both a discrete one issue project and really then expand out to something that is much more bigger in a way that can really assist clients or potential clients? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we have, just to give you an example, I mean, we come in and we do bread and butter work, right? We do risk assessments where it's, you know, it's the traditional process of, you know, figuring out who we're going to talk to, who we're going to interview, which documents we're going to review, you know, coming up with the number of interviews per function that makes sense to make sure you get your arms around it. And, you know, and then writing the reports and working with the client to, to figure out, you know, next steps. I mean, those are, those are things that, that we do that everybody does, frankly. I mean, law firms are doing it. Consulting firms are doing it. It's, it's great work. I love doing it. Um, but I, but where I think that I get the most excited um, are honestly with these kind of technology driven uh, projects. I mean, we, right now, as an example, we, we've got a client where we are looking at behavioral data that was historically housed in HR for a totally different function, for a totally different lens um, in compliance. And we're, we're looking at it against employee spend data and also uh, against training data to try to really understand how the company, um, you know, is, is situating employees in a way that might be challenging for them. In other words, it's not a big brother project to find bad employees. It's a project to identify places, moments, scenarios where humans, because they're human, might do the wrong thing because they're not uh, kind of being supported by the organization in, in a way that they should be. So it's about identifying, you know, weak, weak moments as opposed to weak employees, if that makes sense. I mean, another, another project is um, thinking through how compliance works better with other business units on the whole. So, you know, compliance teams often by now have pretty good technologies, but are they really plugging into um, the technologies that other business units have? An example would be, um, if the legal team has a really good CMS contract management system, right? And the finance team has a really good procure to pay uh, system and compliance, let's say has uh, a really good third party due diligence system. Um, are those systems talking to each other so that you know automatically that when a dollar goes out the door to a third party, it wasn't just cleared by the third party due diligence solution. It was also cleared by legal CMS solution. And it was also cleared by, um, by the procure to pay system. So, so the, I mean, the concept is kind of trying to figure out the places where you can maximize efficiency by plugging, you know, technologies into each other or thinking through 
you know, is there a way that you could export certain information that a different business unit has to compliance, but in a way that it's useful to them? You know, if you get um, audit data in a, in a, in a format that is only interesting for audit people, you know, it, it may not be useful, but that same information through a different lens may be very telling for compliance. And so I think it's just really about, and it's always tailored. So there's never, there's never a way to come in and, you know, tell you exactly what we would do without understanding kind of where the organization is in this, in this process, in this kind of, you know, I hate using this term, but like this sort of digital transformation journey, you know, that's, that's what everybody is doing. That's what every corporate is doing um, and, and is expected to do, frankly, uh, from a government point of view. But I think, you know, being able to do it in a way that's targeted, tailored, you know, we're not moving in your house for five years. It's not going to, you know, it's not that every project is a million dollar project. I mean, there are ways to do things that are lighter lifts. You know, you kind of figure out where you've got low hanging fruit that would be um, useful. And then frankly, if you're having a hard time with buy-in um, in terms of budget or whatever, maybe just general support from, from the rest of the management, you should do a small project. You should show amazing ROI from that project. And then you will uh, not have a hard time getting more budget to continue the process. Well, let me take you back to your work at GAN in the tech world. And you, because what you just described to me sounded very much like a pilot project. When you were at GAN, did you have the situation where a customer might allow you to do some small task or some small project where you could demonstrate the overall value of the GAN solution? And is that what you're able to advocate with your clients now and in your consulting role at Stone Turner? Is it something different? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a little bit different just because I think, look, in startup, you, um, you're looking for anchor clients. You're looking for referenceable clients. Um so you have, you have that kind of flexibility t- typically, you know, when you're in an early stage startup, which at that time, you know, that company was in an early stage, um, you know, with Stone Turn, it's a little bit different because, you know, we're not, we're not sort of trying to prove out what we do. I think we're, we're relatively well known. Um, certainly we've done lots and lots of major monitorships and investigations that are, that are very well known, but I, I do think still in this particular space, you know, when we're really thinking about digital transformation and data analytics in legal and compliance, um, it's new. It's just new. I mean, there are, there are people who have been doing different forms of this. I mean, e-discovery is a form of this, but, but to sort of do it in a smarter way that isn't, again, off the shelf. I mean, I think these, these new processes that companies are, are, are doing, these newer data projects, you know, it's not about buying a solution and implementing it. I think it's about thinking about, you know, what is the best technology? But also, you know, once you have the data that's kind of the output of the technology, what do you do with it? You know, like where, where do you, how do you make it? um, How do you make it work for you? How do you make it reduce risk in the organization and, or give you dollars? I mean, that's what I think is fun is, is, you know, not only, you know, risk mitigation or risk reduction, but also um, a lot of times, you know, we're, we're actually looking at 
dollars that are falling through cracks. You know, you're talking about duplicative payments or you're talking about um, things that are kind of masked that you can uncover during these, these kind of, you know, digital and forensic um, exercises. It, you know, a lot of times the projects that we see, you know, it isn't just risk reduction. It, it ends up actually saving like, you know, dollars and cents in a meaningful way. Well, Valerie, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I hope our listeners will join us for episode four. Where we're going to take a look at uh, the role of the CCO and compliance down the road into 2025 and beyond. Thanks very much. And I look forward to continuing this conversation. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you will join me again next week where I take up another episode in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, Any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.